This is Love What I Love, a podcast where we beg our partner to love something we do, whether it be a movie, TV show, or anything in between. We're your hosts, Masha and Andy, and this week we're talking about Bring It On. We hope you laugh a ton. I'm Masha, the host. My intros are the most. And Andy is here. He loves it when I cheer. Oh, I didn't know that was coming. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was actually pretty great. I literally spent all morning writing that. I'm very proud of you. I did not know that was coming. That was awesome. (laughs) That beats the shit out of my Alfred Hitchcock and my Bill and Ted impression. Go for it. Awesome. Oh, that was really fun oh, to write. That was great. Well, Bring It On is a classic coming-of-age sports <laughs> dramedy. Wow. Yeah, that really got you. I just love how you throw classic in there. <laughs> if it's part of the plot description. It's, it is for me. <laughs> I didn't throw that out when I did it. talked about Hitchcock and Psycho. I, didn't <laughs> I like to give credit where credit is due. All right. <laughs> As I was saying, it's a classic uh, coming-of-age sports dramedy about a champion high school cheerleading squad, the Toros, and they discover that their previous captain has been stealing routines from an inner-city cheerleading squad. So, that's really the plot there. You mean an urban cheerleading squad? All right. <laughs> <laughs> using political talk. I know, the studios. <laughs> Can we get more urban? <laughs> <laughs> Bring It On was released August 25th, 2000, so this year is actually Bring It On's 20th anniversary whoa bring it on can almost drink i know that's crazy you can go to war though (laughs) i know we're always curious about these things so this movie was going up against wesley snipes art of war okay i never saw that but i remember when it came out oh okay i didn't know if you knew um and then other movies that were that were out around this month i think were little mermaid 2 oh brother where art thou little mermaid 2 yeah like in theaters yeah uh, Little sounds... Mermaid 2 came out, right? I mean, it's definitely a movie, but I'm pretty sure it just came out on video. Uh, I don't know. I didn't trust that source that much. <laughs> yeah. I might cut that up. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I don't think anyone remembers a Little Mermaid 2. <laughs> Ariel's well, Got Feet, is that what it's called? All right. Well, <laughs> Little Mermaid 2, Feet. Bring It On was written by Jessica Bettinger. Oh, I hope I say that. I said that correctly. Jessica also wrote this movie that I know you've never seen, but called Stick It. She wrote and directed that movie. It's yeah. a gymnastics movie. Nice. <laughs> Coming of age, so kind of. She, so she's got a lane. Yeah. Well, yeah. She's also written Aquamarine. I think I remember that. That's like a, It was like a kid's version of Splash. Yeah. I don't know what Splash is. Oh, it's a mermaid movie with Tom Hanks. And uh, I forget who the mermaid is. Yes. I'm an idiot. And they edited out her butt on Disney Plus because you could see her butt in the last shot. So they put digitally added more hair so you couldn't see the lady's butt. What? So kids wouldn't see her hair on Disney Plus. Oh my god! I mean, wouldn't see her butt. I can't <laughs> remember who the actress is. Fuck, I don't have a computer in front That's of me. That's crazy. You're yeah. gonna have to show me that. Yeah, it's, uh, I've seen side by side because because it's like a PG movie, but like yeah. there was one shot when she's naked running into to go be a mermaid again, and you can like see her butt for a quick second. We all have butts, Disney. <laughs> Come on. They know they, what a butt is. They took the fuck out of Hamilton and they took the butt out of Splash. Yeah. I understand the Hamilton one, but like a butt? Come yeah, on. Right. They're making butt jokes. Right. Like, <laughs> Leave them alone. That's Mr. Fishrider's butt. I have a photographic butt memory. She's also written episodes for Sex and the City. Oh, cool. And this movie was directed by Peyton Reed. 
I think you know him. Yeah, I was surprised. Not surprised, but I didn't realize I would know the director of this. But I don't know his whole career. I just mainly know him as the Ant-Man guy. Yeah, he is the Ant-Man guy. But this was his first feature film debut as a director. Mm, Very cool. What's he made between this and Ant-Man? First of all, he was originally a TV director. So that was where he got his start. But he has done Yes Man, The Breakup, and Down With Love. I don't remember Down With Love, but I remember those other two. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see him, but I remember him. Cool. Yes, man was Jim Carrey, I think. Uh, he could only say yes. It seemed like someone <laughs> took the pr- script of Liar Liar and was like, let's do another weird gimmick. Because in Liar Liar, he can't tell a lie because of magic. And this one, he can't say no because of magic. Was that also Jim Carrey? Yeah. Liar Liar? Yeah, yeah. Oh. And that was pr- that was pretty good. That was in the 90s. Oh, I see. This was like 10 years later. So I think they're like, let's do Liar Liar again, but with... Was it the same character or did they just like n- take a play? No, it's just, it's not the same character. Oh. I just seems like, you know, they're like, that worked once. Let's do something very similar. That's funny. And then, yeah, so he just goes around and everyone asks him things and he can't say no. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say, maybe the plot is he can't lie, but I was like, wait, that's Liar Liar. <laughs> <laughs> they just did the same movie uh, twice. I'm talking a lot about movies that I've never seen. <laughs> I've never seen Splash. I've never seen any of this shit. Oh, man. Uh, you're just you're pulling facts left and right. Uh, and, just know. weird things I remember. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> How do you do this? <laughs> you must have aced all your tests in high school. Uh, they weren't about movies, so no, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't apply to math and science, I'll tell you that much. That's why I have a podcast right now. Oh, man. <laughs> instead, well, of a, instead of a high-paying gig. Moving on. This movie stars Kirsten Dunst, Gabrielle Union, oh, Eliza <laughs> Dushku. Dushku. Yeah, that's it. I was so nervous to say her name. It's Eliza the Vampire Slayer. Okay. and <laughs> that's, her, that's her full name. Right. And Jesse Bradford. It also stars the girl group Black. <laughs> I don't know them. So they... Oh, are they the other Clovers? They're the other Clovers. Uh, I was wondering why I've never really seen them before. Like I was like, I was like, who are these actresses? I don't know who any of them oh, are. Oh, yeah. We'll How talk- do you spell Black? B-L-A-Q-U-E. Oh. My name is Kendra, and I spell it with a Q-U. They're also known... Outside of the U.S., they're known as Black Ivory, which oh. is interesting. And just additional background, it was produced by Beacon Pictures, but distributed by Universal Pictures. It had a budget of $11 million, but made $90.5 million. Damn. It spent three weeks at number one in the box office. Yeah, I I remember when this came out. Oh, like, wow. Yeah, it, was a, it, was a, it was a hit. <laughs> That's crazy. Just because I know I shouldn't bring this up, but I literally do it every time <laughs> I looked at Rotten Tomatoes. Can I try and guess? Sure. I'm going to say it has a 71. All right. You're not far off. Okay. What angered me about this time around? It's higher than Sister Act 2. <laughs> well, always. <laughs> always. But, okay. So, first of all, Roger, Roger Ebert... Ge- he he's literally quoted saying that Bring It On is the Citizen Kane of cheerleading movies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, which I think is I love like, Roger Ebert. I love Roger Ebert. <laughs> a pretty like high, you know, thing to say, yeah, right? That's probably the highest thing you can say. <laughs> it has a freaking sixty-three oh. on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> An audience score of sixty-five. Oh wow. Usually I thought this would be like ninety-five audience score. That's why I'm saying Rotten Tomatoes is crap. It's not Rotten <laughs> I'm not doing this the, again. Oh, sorry. <laughs> not the, doing critics, this the critics <laughs> suck. They don't know what they're talking about. But this about. one also proves that the fans kind of suck, too, because yeah. they didn't go to bat for it. Because Sister Act 2 has a much higher audience True. rating. Like, you know, it's like in the 70s or some shit. So, basically, this is my call to action here. If you love Bring It On, you should go to Rotten Tomatoes and help adjust that audience score. Because it should be a 95 minimum, I, I believe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
So obviously this movie was a success. I mean, how can you have a 63 rating and then have six move six bring it on movies, which and a TV show and a musical that was on Broadway? I'm going to counter that with there's about eight Police Academy movies oh. and they all suck. So <laughs> the first one's all right, but I'm just saying a, a slew of sequels doesn't mean much. We live in a society of laws. Why do you think I took in all those Police Academy movies? For fun? Well, I didn't hear anybody laughing. Did you? Especially when none of them came out in theaters besides, what, the second one? <laughs> yeah, we could talk about this. Yeah, sequels. we'll get that later. <laughs> But before we move on, Andy, coming yeah. in to bring it on, I know this isn't the first time I made you watch this movie, but yeah. obviously I love it, so he had to have it on the cast. Totally. Tell me a little bit about how you perceived Bring It On, uh, your thoughts, how you saw it for the first time. Well, actually, this one, oddly, I remember exactly how I saw it the first time. <laughs> wow. Because, um, let's see, you said 2000 it came out? Yeah. So I was 10. It, it might have been the year after because it was already on video, but I got some cousins that live in the Poconos, and we used to go there a lot when I was a kid because mm -hmm. we would go skiing and stuff like that and then stay at their place for, like, the weekend. Nice. And... Uh, I mean, you know my cousin Barbara. That's who. That was her family. Oh. And you know, so I was eleven. She's older than me, but she was probably still a, like a late teenager at the time. Mm -hmm. And then I remember we were staying at their house for the weekend, and she had rented Bring It On because she loved it. Nice. And then it's mad funny because I kind of felt like Kirsten Dunst's little brother. <laughs> where like at first I was like oh, I'm not gonna watch this girl movie like what are we doing I'm 10 like you know I wanna, I wanna watch X-Men yeah I just was kind of like sitting in the room watching it and then I guess it was the mix of like the dirty words the the hot teenagers you know even though you're 10 it's, you know I'm not wasn't thinking that much sexually but you still you know you yeah. see girls in bikinis you're like oh that's fun she's pretty <laughs> kind of like kind of tense why i was like i felt like kirsten dunce's brother in the movie where he's like i hate cheerleading but then he's around all these hot girls he's like it's not so bad yeah so i was kind of like doing that and then i remember just like kind of like getting into it and just like watching the whole movie and then being like yeah, i kind of liked it and then <laughs> i was like too embarrassed to go to school and like talk, like if people brought it up i wouldn't be like i kind of like that movie so that was definitely the first time i saw it was as a 10 year old like sitting in the living room while my older cousin was watching it i like it and then I just kind of never watched it again because it didn't like it didn't like resonate with me like that. It was more like, oh, I thought I w would find this to be mad, stupid, and girly, and then it ended up being pretty good. <laughs> um, I remember thinking a lot of it was funny at the time. I do remember in school everybody was doing the spirit fingers joke. Uh, yeah. Not only the girls, but dudes were doing it too. Like those aren't spirit fingers; these are. That was like the go-to line oh, if, from yeah. my experience of the movie that transcended. Um, and then, yeah, and then I just never watched it again. I really thought about it. I remember all the sequels coming out constantly on, like, video, and I just was like, yeah, I'm not going to watch that. Yeah. Uh, and then we started dating, and then you, some at some point, brought it up that it was, like, one of your favorite movies. <laughs> I brought it up on the first date. <laughs> yeah. No, you came in cheering to, to, the, to our first date. <laughs> you were like, I'm Masha. Hello. <laughs> no, it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, and then we watched it again, I don't know, what, probably two years ago, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, something Andy and I do occasionally when we give each other gifts is we give each other a coupon. Like, we actually draw out a coupon and, like, we'll put a name of a movie that we don't want to see, but we know the other wants to yeah. show. <laughs> Masha, Masha was awesome and started this trend with Scream because she knew <laughs> I fucking love Scream and yeah. she hates horror movies. And it was like, you know... <laughs> It wasn't, like, the first gift, but it was probably, like, two years into, like, giving each other gifts. And yeah. I remember being, like, that's an amazing gift. You're <laughs> going to watch this movie that I know you have no interest in watching because I want you to. 
And then, yeah, we did that. We've done it again since then. Yeah, but I remember cashing in a coupon for Bring It On that you gave me for my birthday. Yeah, yeah. I bought you the DVD and then put the attached the coupon to the DVD. I feel like those days are probably over now that we have this podcast because yeah. every week we do this. <laughs> where, you know, like, I feel like I would have needed a coupon to get you to watch Psycho. And then now I'd just be like, nope, we're doing Psycho this week. <laughs> so I feel like those days would be gone. Yeah. Um, but there was still, that was an amazing idea for a gift. And anyone out there, you know. So uh, yeah. you know, money can be tight sometimes. You can't always afford lavish gifts, but mm-hmm. I know that meant a lot to me. So you gotta Aww. that's a good gift. Yeah. It only costs some emotional pain depending on the yeah. movie. <laughs> that and the price of like a DVD, which at these days you can get for like five dollars. Oh, yeah, totally. So yeah, I mean that was pretty much my background. So yeah, going into it this time, it was my third time seeing it. So I, there wasn't too much of like unexpected things happened. Yeah. But uh it was good to get a refresher for sure. I mean because it's not, like, one of my favorite movies of all time. I don't have it, like, memorized the way you do. So I definitely needed the refresher mm-hmm. to kind of watch it again and remember it to be able to talk fresh on it. I, I'm actually, though, really excited because even though we watched it together, I feel like we've never really had an in-depth discussion about it. Like, no, no, you can kind of assume why I love it, but I feel like we've never, like, really talked about yeah. it. Yeah. So uh, how about your history on this one? I don't remember seeing this movie in theaters so i probably rented it from blockbuster because i saw cheerleaders on it yep um (laughs) (laughs) and you know i love to dance yeah so i was like and also you know the cover is not just kirsten dunn she also have a black cheerleader on the cover so i'm sure that meant something freaking union i love her so much one of the most gorgeous women of all time (laughs) i'll say it right now on here um i don't i actually i always mean to look this up but I don't know why if you if you bring up Gabrielle Union at least around the Haitians that like if you bring them out if you bring her up around my family they'll be like you know she's Haitian right yeah she's she's Haitian yeah yeah like, <laughs> oh, I, mean, I feel like every nation like, like especially smaller ones love to claim their own like if somebody's yeah. something like you know how many times fucking people bring up Bill Belichick, the, the oh, coach, yeah. and be like, oh, he's Croatian, by the way. And I'd be like, yeah, all right. <laughs> he didn't grow up in Croatia. I, I, yeah, I don't know if it's true, but, and I don't know how much that influenced me and how much I love her, but uh, yeah, I, I love her, and I guess I'm claiming that she's part Haitian. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. Own it, own it up. But yeah, I remember watching it and then just being hooked. And I, this is one of those movies that I watch over and over again. I might be able to like recite the whole movie by heart at yeah. this point. That's how many times I've watched it. <laughs> and I've watched it so many times that I, I actually used to do the routines along with the movie. <laughs> and <laughs> so I still to this day know all the choreography. And I obviously can't tumble or do a backflip. So yeah. I'll do like this jump. <laughs> <laughs> just freeze frame yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and pretend I did a backflip in my head. What about at the end when they're tossing each other in the air like 30 feet? Oh, yeah. I like just jump in the air and pretend that I'm doing it. But anyway, it's pretty embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> was this a, a you solo watch or was this a you and your mom bonding movie? Um, yes, she watched it and she can quote some lines, but I wouldn't say that this is one of her favorite movies. She just enjoys it. She mostly enjoys it when the clovers are on, if I'm being honest. Yeah, yeah. Like, she doesn't really care for anything else. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I love this movie. I love that it's funny. There's dance and athleticism. And I, I love that it's about more than cheerleading. Obviously, I'm, I was a kid, so yeah. I wasn't expecting to have, like, this layered story. I was just excited to see some Yeah, we'll go into it as stuff. we get to it, but that's in kind of what works for me more so than if it was just, a, like, there's a competition coming up. We have to train, you know? Like, right. I like that there were some twists and turns along the way. Exactly. They touch on 
privilege and cultural appropriation, homophobia, like there's just so many different layers yeah. um, that I, to this day, still value this movie because unfortunately a lot of it is still relevant. Exactly. <laughs> so I just feel like it's a timeless movie. So that's why I love it so much. <laughs> oh, one dumb thing I remember from being a kid that I remember this time was mm -hmm. I thought that the fact that the team's name is the Toros and her name is Torrance. Oh. I did because I wasn't like fully <laughs> like when I was watched it that first time, I was kinda in and out a little bit and I right. was just like I thought she like changed the name of the team to be her name. Oh boy. Oh no, no, I thought the cheer was like her name. Like like they were cheering the mighty mighty Torrance or whatever. And I was I just see. like I just didn't get that. And I, I remember even just go being like, why do they make it so close? Like why not just name her anything else? Like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I honestly didn't find anything about that. I've never heard the word the name Torrance in my life. Yeah, me neither. But I mean it works for like a movie because you want to like remember, you know what I mean? But yeah. it's just so funny that uh you know, I feel like if your name was Torrance, maybe you'd go by Tori. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but yeah, I I love this movie and I representation. I freaking love Gabrielle Union and I've never seen myself in a cheerleader. Like before then, I didn't really see myself that much. Like this is one of those movies where I was like, oh, like you could be a cheerleader, Masha. Yeah. <laughs> and, a, and an awesome, great, great looking like one with who's tough and like stands up for herself. <laughs> nice. So... Definitely inspiration. I guess I'm curious about the history of cheerleading movies then, because mm -hmm. I can't think of, like, I mean, I guess I can't really can't think of a lot. So like, yeah. even Roger Ebert's quote, and I was like, what came up before this? <laughs> the one I, it's not really a cheerleading movie, but I absolutely love. It came out the year before, but I'm a cheerleader uh -huh. with Natasha Leone. It's a fucking fantastic movie. She's the one from um, Russian Doll. Oh, which one was she? She's Russian doll. She's the main Oh, one. that. Natasha oh, snap. Leon. She's. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Um, <laughs> She's dang, Russian doll. That's so crazy. Yeah, I didn't so, know she was acting. But like it's that. definitely a way more of like. It's it's more about like she's a cheerleader and then her parents think she's a lesbian, so they send her to like a Christian re-education camp. Oh man. And it, it's fucking hilarious. It's like a <laughs> it's like a satire on the whole thing. So it's not a cheerleading movie by any means, but yeah. because it's in the title, but I'm a cheerleader. It's kinda her being like, No, this shouldn't happen to me, I'm a popular cheerleader. Right. You know? And it's it's great. It's a great movie. I'm not perverted. I get good grades. I go to church. I'm a cheerleader. One last thing I'll say is now that you've I've made you watch this movie two times, yep. I think that one of the first shows that I might have you watch for this podcast will be the documentary Cheer that came out on Netflix. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember when you were watching that. Yeah. And ugh, it's so fantastic because this is like the glitzy. It shows you cheerleading, but it doesn't show you like how much work goes into creating a routine. Yeah. And cheer just like really gets into it. And mm -hmm. you're like, God damn. So I would love to get you to watch this cool. uh, or to watch that documentary. But real quick, why I think you should love this movie. It's like we mentioned earlier, a multi-layered movie in terms of topics and yeah. stakes. Steaks. Elo steaks. We everyone knows Medium this. Medium rare. <laughs> Not those steaks. You love comedy. Comedy. I thought you would appreciate the humor in this movie. There's yeah. a lot of it. Mm -hmm. And you love verses. <laughs> I guess I should explain that. Yeah, that makes no sense. I mean, it does to me, but. <laughs> Andy loves competition. It's really just us competing against each other in different games. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you appreciate a versus like a Cobra Kai. Like, you love when there's competition involved. I wrote a musical. It's pretty damn good. Okay, I want to put it on. Right, what's your angle? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, who's, whose what? face are we shoving this you musical You shove in? a musical in someone's face. What are you talking about? Like, but who versus? Who are we doing it versus? Oh, my God. Are you guys going to make this about this? Yeah. 
So it's fun. I thought that you would appreciate that in this movie. Do you like my points? Yes. Like I said, I, the the extra stuff that's not the cheerleading is really kind of like what hooked me more so than the actual just like competition aspect. So yeah, had this been a way way more straightforward like dancing movie or cheerleading movie, I might have mm. been a little uh, a little more bored. Yeah. Cool. So obviously, because I love this movie so much, I put so much pressure on the research. So I'm gonna do my best to sprinkle stuff in, but I do have some pre digging yeah, in lay, stuff. Lay it down. Nice. So first, I want to talk about the screenwriter because she's really the reason why Bring It On exists. Uh-huh. Jessica actually has a background in music videos. Okay. Like she would direct a lot of music videos, hip hop videos, in fact. Like she directed Fly Girl, Queen Latifah's music video. Oh, fire. Yeah, right? That's a good song. So this movie actually came about because she was inspired by... She used to watch ESPN cheerleading competitions Mm -hmm. um, because she was so fascinated by them. And she, you know, she made a routine out of watching them. But then she would notice that a lot of the dance moves that cheerleaders were using were like from hip hop and like, (laughs) you know, black dance groups. That's hilarious. So she was like, this isn't interesting cultural appropriation moment like what the hell is happening here and that kind of just sparked the idea of like what if you know a story like this um could occur interesting so i like that it's actually rooted in like an actual you know question (laughs) that's real i because i feel like if this movie just like never came out and it came out today they probably would have made the clovers the leads Mm -hmm. do you think was that ever an option and then the studio was like Let's make it about a white. Because I actually think it works a little bit more by not doing that. I think it would be too straightforward if, if we just follow the clovers the whole way through and made mm-hmm. made the Toros like the bad guys. Right. Was that ever in the cards? Did you want to write a story about black cheerleaders but had to sell it as a story about white cheerleaders? At no point did I see that she wanted to make this about the black cheerleaders. Yeah. I think because she was watching the white cheerleaders, that was the first thing she went to, like to see it from their perspective. She is a white woman. Okay. And I think... A lot of the things that came up and that I want to dig in deeper as well is she didn't really, and I like that, and I appreciated that they brought in black people to kind of, and took their point of view to write for those characters. Yeah, like, yeah. she um, wasn't trying to write a black story. <laughs> like, I mean, even though, yes, there is a story there, and I, I, I have more thoughts on that, but yeah, there was at no point that yeah. they were trying to make this about the Clovers. Okay. I was just curious. Yeah. And plus, like, at this point, Kirsten Dunst and Eliza Dushku were both pretty big. So, like, mm-hmm. I feel like it would be easier sell by saying they're, like, two of right. the leads. So, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. Gabrielle Union, I mean, she was in, like, a thousand movies in 1999, but it was always, like, as the friend. Yes. Like, and she's all that and uh, Ten Things I Hate About You and all yeah, that. Yeah, those are the two movies she did the year before this movie. <laughs> yeah. So, I think this was probably a bit more memorable in terms of people being like, oh, th- I know who that is. Like, you know, she right. wasn't just, like, the friend who showed up every once in a while and said something. Yeah. And I... they. The Oscars hosted like a re- virtual reunion for for this year between the director Gabrielle Union, Kirsten Dunst, and the writer. Uh-huh. And Gabrielle was like, "Yeah, I did those movies, and I didn't want to do the same character. Like, I really focused on making ISIS different." And yeah, uh, she appreciated that. Like, it was like someone that more reflected who she is as a person <laughs> too. I had no idea her name was ISIS. Yeah. I feel like I never hear them say her name in the they movie. They never really say it. I feel yeah. like a clover says it once. Yeah. So. You're uh, the nicest, Isis. All right. Ooh, you want to make a cheer? Mm. Oh, nope. that's going to happen. Nope. 
N O P E. But yes, so Jessica had to pitch this movie, she said, 28 times. Damn. Shot down 27 times. I feel like I, like I would have lost count. <laughs> I know. You know, like after like eight, I would have been like, ah, I just pitched it a lot. I don't know. <laughs> yes. And fun fact apparently, Tom Hanks helped greenlight this film's production somehow. Whoa. <laughs> I couldn't really find too much detail on how he did that, but I love Tom Hanks, so I'm going to take that as fact nice. and be like, he, yes, I believe that. Was it his son Chet Hayes? He went to his hip-hop concert, and he's like, these black people need a movie. Oh, no. <laughs> Chet Hayes showed me the way. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hate Chet Hayes. Oh, man, you do. <laughs> <laughs> Such a nerd. <laughs> One thing that I liked was you know as she was writing this movie she talked to the writer of heathers nice and a piece of advice that she got was rather than writing the teen speak of that time he said that would date your movie automatically like create your own slang so that way you know it that's always a better move exactly so i think that's another reason why like the disses and the slang in this movie is so unique and quotable yeah yeah (laughs) She puts the horror in horrifying. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and funny thing too, this wasn't the only cheerleading movie to come out that year. <laughs> really? There was like another cheerleading movie called Sugar and Spice, which is oh, like a crime yeah. cheerleader movie, I guess. I feel like I remember that. Yeah. I never, definitely didn't see it, but I think I remember it. The lead of Sugar and Spice, Marley Shelton. Mm-hmm. Or at least she's one of the leads. She was the original Torrance. She originally got casted for this movie. Oh, snap. But she got offered a role in Sugar and Spice, and she she thought that that was the better movie. <laughs> so she left, and then, you know, they went for Kirsten. So it's pretty funny that, like, two, two completely different cheerleader movies were coming out, and at the time, people thought that Sugar and Spice, on the producing side, were, was going to be the better movie. The director and team talked a lot about how Universal was kind of like, eh, you know, like, let them do their thing. They didn't really have much faith in it, so they were really able to, like, be as creative as they wanted. So yeah. I think that's why this masterpiece just came to be, because nobody was up their neck. The biggest thing that the director had to deal with was the studio was demanded that this stay a PG-13 movie. So there was a lot of, like, not trying to not cross the line yeah. and i think it does push it a lot <laughs> yeah i think so i mean even just in the cursing and and some of the other stuff but uh, yeah. i could totally see that where you're just you're gonna sell more tickets if you're aiming for teenagers if they all can go instead of just the ones who are 17 and up right and i guess one last thing i should say about sugar and spice is gabrielle union was also being considered for a role but at the at the end of the day they didn't want to have a black lead for that movie. So she was. She actually spoke like, okay, well, I'm going to go for the movie that actually embraces diversity. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and that's how that ended up, which, I mean, I'm Egg on surprised. your face, sugar and spice. God. Kirsten was the next choice, right? And yeah. she was ready to say no to this movie, but she met with Peyton, the director, and he's really the reason why she said yes to it in the end. Because she just felt like he would bring something special to it. And she was 17 at the time. Like, I think that's another unique thing about this movie. That a lot of the teens in this movie were actually teenagers. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Kirsten was 17. Eliza was 18. I think Jesse might have been 20 or 21. 
But get this, Gabrielle Union was 27. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I actually knew that beforehand, but yeah, that's insane. Like 10 years older. I mean, literally, what was it, two Halloweens ago, she dressed up like a clover and it looked like it was a still from this <laughs> oh movie. Oh, God. Yeah, she looks fantastic. Yeah, she's ageless. Goddamn. <laughs> but yeah, I knew Kirsten Dunst was young because, I mean, literally, Interview of the Vampire and Jumanji were like five years before she was like <laughs> a kid. She was like 10 years old in those movies. Yep. So it's it's pretty fun, yeah. I love it, and but like you can't tell at all. Oh, I just, it's imp- insane. But um, and even one of the girls in black, uh, the girl group, like she was still like in school, you know. Wow. <laughs> Interesting thing about black too, they actually plucked them from tour. They were on tour with NSYNC. Oh, um, they plucked them to be in this movie, so they were like over it and over each other. Apparently, by the time they were shooting for this movie. Damn. <laughs> Did they like stop making music? Like I feel like like after after this or they had a couple hits after this. One of their songs for this movie, I love as if, which was actually in one of the routines uh, in this movie. But yeah, they they're obviously not together. Unfortunately, uh, one of the members passed away. Oh, that stinks. Yeah, she passed away in in two thousand twelve. She was hit by a car. Damn. Um, my favorite one, too. The one who was like, you've been touched by an angel, girl. Uh, yeah, yeah. Damn. <sighs> yeah, um, that's so sad. But I was about to say something fun until that happened. But oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, uh, be- only because the timeline would have worked out perfectly. What if there was an alternate universe where instead of doing black for the movie and having them do this stuff, if it was Destiny's Child. Oh. And, and it was an unfamous Beyonce <laughs> being next to Gabrielle Union. Oh, my God. Gabrielle and Beyonce together. All right. I was talking about Gabrielle and, and Kelly Rowland. Come on. All right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> what are you talking about? Michelle all the way. <laughs> <laughs> I always forget that. Right? <laughs> I only know Kelly Rowland because she was in Freddy vs. Jason. Oh, wow. That's hilarious. She fights Freddy. <laughs> oh, and I, I completely forgot. This movie wasn't even originally called Bring It On. It was called Cheer Fever. <laughs> <laughs> Bring It On's better. Cheer Fever, baby. <laughs> I can't even imagine like it being in a line. Should have been called Cheerocracy. <laughs> So when they were casting this movie, they had all the actors come in prepared to cheer uh-huh. because they wanted to make sure that, first of all, they wanted to reduce the amount of stunt doubling that they had to do. So yeah. they, they wanted to make sure everyone could have rhythm. So Dunst did her own stunts. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, for the most part. I mean, she did, obviously, there was a lot of tumbling and oh, stuff. Oh, for sure. She can't tumble, but she was a cheerleader back oh, in high school. And it's, it's very obvious every time Eliza Dushku does to do a flip. <laughs> The, the cutaways like it's it's just like you can see it a mile away that uh, she's not flipping nowhere oh yeah eliza had no experience she was like i don't know what the hell i'm doing here yeah <laughs> it's the weirdest role i've ever seen her and she always is kind of typecast as the same person and she is that person but still like she's still way more bubbly and happy than she is in any other performance <laughs> i've ever seen her in i was like no you're always tortured and angry that's oh, like, that's yeah. your thing like <laughs> i like that she still brought that here yeah it was in the beginning but like by the end when she like loosens up i'm just like it's so weird like mainly over sing- seeing her sing over the end credits. Like yeah. that was just like, I know you're a person and you're not who you portray in movies, but I only know you as like, I know as Faith. You know, you're Faith the Vampire. You're the opposite of Buffy. Like yeah. you're. <laughs> but she was young. She was a kid. Once they cast everyone, they uh, the director required everybody to undergo four weeks of cheerleader camp training to make sure that you know they oh, could yeah. shoot with them. Totally. <laughs> um, get them get them all prepped with their faces. Ah, that doesn't translate over podcast. Nope. No one saw that but me. <laughs> so the teams, obviously, they're the Toros and the Clovers. The Toros are, I guess, the white team. 
Yep. They consisted of eight actors and the rest professionals. Okay. And the Clovers were four actors and the rest professionals. Nice. And one thing that I absolutely loved is that they hired... Yes, there was a lead choreographer for this movie, but the choreographer hired another choreographer called Hi-Hat to choreograph for the Clovers. So they actually had different choreographers. Nice. You know, it makes sense. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and she's a popular hip-hop choreographer, worked with endless stars, actually involved in the Step Up movies or choreographed those movies. And it's funny because the the lead choreographer, Anne, was like, oh, it was so much fun to create a stiff version of Burr. It's cold in here. Like, once I had choreographed that, there was like, hmm, how can I make this as white as possible? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Let her remove the spices from this. And yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, those were a lot of facts. And I'm sorry, but they were amazing. And I enjoyed looking them up. Now you got to lay the groundwork. <laughs> So I'm down to head into a spoiler-free discussion. Yeah, let's get into it. We should just start out by the opening because it actually establishes everything very quickly yeah. in an awesome way. It's, uh, you, get the, you get the dream sequence of the cheer, but you don't know it's dream sequence at first. Yes, but the opening cheers everything because it lets you know that this, like what kind of movie this is. Like it's tongue-in-cheek, like... Yeah. The writer said, it addresses everyone's preconceived notions on cheerleaders. Like, I'm sexy. I'm cute. Like, you know, they're kind of bullies. They feel themselves like they think they're the hottest, you know. Yeah. Like, it actually, like, makes you think that it's going to be that kind of movie. And this, I mean, <laughs> do you... Is, are we led to believe that this is a real cheer or is this a made-up cheer that she's had in her dream? This is a made-up cheer that she's had All in right. her dream. Like, like it's not like based on... Because the one thing I was just thinking about was like, you know, I started high school a few years after this movie and there was no talk of sexy teenagers. <laughs> like, especially because no like adults were in the audience. Like, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, it was very... Like, even down to the outfits. Like, no cheerleader in my school ever showed mid-drift. Like, it yes. was all, like, you know, almost full-body outfits. Like, it was very much like, we're not going to sexualize these 16-year-olds. I'm pretty <laughs> sure in competitive cheerleading for high school, that's actually against the rules for them to show the mid-drift. Yeah, because it's like, yeah, these are children. They broke a lot of rules in terms of, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, what was allowed. I know most of them were high school age, but they did seem older. I kept, because I kept thinking of, because I feel like nowadays... We just don't do those, like, sexualized teenage girl movies as much mm -hmm. as we did back in the day. You know, in American Pie, Shannon Elizabeth is supposed to be 17, and she has a topless scene. We're supposed to be like, yeah, topless 17-year-old. <laughs> so I was thinking of the Blockers movie. And uh -huh. I was like, that seems like what I remember teenagers like. Mm -hmm. Just, like, regular old-looking girls. They, they looked real young in that movie, because most 16-year-olds do. And right. there's no point where they're, like, in a hot bathing suit, like, strutting around, you know? like yeah. So I was just like, yeah, this is this is a time of a bygone era where we're just like let's ogle these underage <laughs> these minors yeah you know? like, it's so weird and i'm actually very happy that the director wasn't a creep like <laughs> the cast had all good things to say about him so like yeah it's definitely a yeah movie of so that, that was time. just what i was thinking where i remember just being like <laughs> like when i was like 15 16 and we had cheerleaders i'm like yeah that's not what movie cheerleaders look like you yeah. know like,
Bring It On movie starts out with an opening sequence like this. Like, it's a dream yeah. that the main character is having. Usually, I mean, I think almost always a nightmare. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember hashtag Cheersmack. Oh, God. Let's not talk about <laughs> Cheersmack. Uh, hashtag Cheersmack is the name of the movie. Yeah, it's awful. I mean, I didn't. we didn't even watch the whole thing. We watched the whole thing. We watched six minutes and we were like, <laughs> fucking skip. It just made me want to watch the original and be like, why did they even try? I wish you were weird like me where I always want to see all the sequels. Like like when I watched all the Psycho movies, uh-huh. like, even though I knew a lot of them weren't going to be good. Like I... I want you to just like watch all the Bring It Ons and then, <laughs> and then give us an update on each movie. I will. I mean, I watched two and three. Three is when I stopped. I, that was Solange and Hayden Panettiere. Yeah. I think I watched four, but I didn't really like it. There was There's one with Christina Milian. I just whatever there's a lot yeah so that's the opening cheer sequence it establishes the main character torrance who's having a nightmare that she becomes captain but then gets immediately embarrassed because she accidentally goes topless in front of the entire school yeah so you kind of see her anxiety about becoming captain and her fear failing Mm -hmm. as a cheerleader yeah and you also quickly meet the other cheerleaders I feel like a lot of them kind of it comes and goes real fast, but I think the main one is the the current captain, Big Red. Exactly. Um, and like you kind of get the idea that she's like the fierce, in charge, like no bullshit, popular girl. Exactly. And you get a yeah, like you said, you get a little intro to all of the the main characters yeah. on the Toros. Yeah. I am glad it was a dream though, because it was very unrealistic. I oh yeah. Like, I was like, this is in the middle of a basketball game. They're gonna have all these routines where we're gonna solos and shit. Like, oh yeah, for sure. Like you know, pretty sure basketball cheerleading is just like hey yo, and the game goes back on. <laughs> hey yo, yep. that's what they do. That's that's how I would choreograph. <laughs> hey yo. Hey, I'm cheering over here. But yeah, it's a, it's a great way to open the movie and you realize it's a dream and kind of get into it from there. You get introduced to Torrance's actual life where, you know, she's from a pretty wealthy family. Oh, yeah. uh, I think upper middle class is like an understatement. Yeah. I would say like legitimately rich. Oh my God. <laughs> she has the classic annoying little brother. I remember hating him. <laughs> I love the first thing I said was, I feel like I related to her little brother because <laughs> I, I was like 10 years old. He was just so annoying. But whatever. Yeah, I mean, I'm a girl, so I'm going to side with yeah. Torrance, obviously. Nah. But I can appreciate his jokes and, you know, that character now. Yeah. And she also has this could be gay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That the boyfriend? She also has this boyfriend. Oh, my note that says boyfriend's clearly gay. <laughs> <laughs> you have a note that says that? Yeah. That's hilarious. I, I like it. Because he's obviously a cheerleader as well. He's at this point going off to college, but he's just driving her to her. Yeah, he's a year older than her. Exactly. So you you have this preconceived notion that all male cheerleaders are gay. Like, that's really what they're. Yeah, I mean, they make the joke a lot in the movie. Exactly. And there are some straight guys on the team, and there aren't. Yeah. They don't really go into to the Clovers, but, you know, they really just touch on that on the Clover, on the Toro side and not the Clover side, but. Whatever. They should have had a... Uh... Ah, never mind. <laughs> what were you going to say? <laughs> I was going to say they should have had a sub-romance where one guy from the Clover and one guy from the Toros meet, Ooh. like Romeo and Juliet, you know, like, like in between, like, I know we're supposed to hate each other, but... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's actually one of the altern- alternate endings that they shot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, Torrance becomes captain, and she leads practice, and, of course, on her first day, someone gets injured. So. Yeah. 
you you're following this team that now has to replace someone in time for the championships. Uh, when the person gets injured, I I don't remember why this stuck with me, but I remember it was just such a nice little touch because you see her fall in first person, and for like half a frame when she hits the ground, the it goes from green grass to completely red. Yes. To simulate the fact that she's bleeding everywhere, mm-hmm. and I just for some reason remember that sticking with me as like a ten year old. Be like, oh, that was brutal. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, you know, so I thought that was a cool little filming technique. They yeah. Did there. I, I think her name's Carver. Carter? No, I have no Carver. idea. I didn't, I didn't know Gabrielle Union's name. I can remember the girl who got hurt. <laughs> I, I thought you would appreciate that character because she was very Bill and Ted-esque. <laughs> kind of. She was like, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so I, want, I, I hope you saw that and appreciated it. Oh, I did a quick air guitar. So that's where, you know, we get this iconic audition scene. Yeah. Which actually also happens in every Bring It On movie. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if... Bring it on because I've seen it in other movies where there's just like a string of bad auditions yeah. for things. The first thing that comes to mind, oddly, is Fighting Temptations. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I was thinking of uh, the year before was that superhero comedy Mystery Men, and they're looking mm. for new like superheroes, and then it's just a string of like dumb superheroes. Uh, like Dane Cook plays the Waffler. He's a guy who hits you with a waffle iron. Like you know, stupid oh shit God. like that. All so, right, so that happened the year before this movie. Yeah, yeah, no. that was ninety nine. Right, but so I, it did not. <laughs> no, it definitely didn't originate. And it, that, it neither did Mystery Man. I'm just, I'm thinking of examples. I see. They did it in uh, Deadpool, actually. This last yeah, one, right? Yeah, they did do it in Deadpool, too. And also, I feel like it's the basis for, like, the success of American Idol. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because half, half the show is just them being like, oh, this guy sucks. And they, they purposely put bad people on that show to make people oh, laugh God. at them. I told you, I have the DVDs of seasons one through four the best and worst of American Idol. Yeah. And my mom and I would watch the worst of American Idol so many <laughs> times. It's a great DVD. Highly so, yeah, recommend. I can't. I'm not saying Mystery Men invented the scene. I'm just thinking of an example right off the bat. Makes sense. But yes, so you have this classic audition scene where you just see a bunch of terrible auditions before we get to Missy. And before we get to Missy, I actually want to point out a couple of fun facts I believe this scene actually took place at a Catholic school. Uh-huh. And the reason why that is notable is because obviously one of the women who auditioned for the Toros is a stripper. Oh, really? <laughs> so, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, duh. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, I, I thought you just meant like like in real life, like not in the scene. She actually is in real oh, life. That okay. was actually, they hired a stripper for that scene. Yeah. So I think they actually, I don't know where I got this. I I think I got this from the special features. Like they had problems with the Catholic school and like had to like film that part on the hush hush. Uh-huh. But this is also where their biggest expense of the movie overall came in uh-huh. to license the heavy metal song Cherry Pie. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a real famous song. It cost forty k. Jesus, just Christ. to use the song. Yeah, well, music licensing is insane. Like we talked about it on the Days and Confused. That like, yeah, it was they. It was just double the budget. Like they made the movie and then they had to take that same amount of money and just license all those songs. Yeah, it's insane. And then you know, Missy obviously is the last audition to take place. Missy's yeah, Lies of Dishku. Yes. It always, it always confused me because I, I grew up watching Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back all the time, mm-hmm. and she's part of a girl gang in that movie, and their names are uh, Missy, Sissy, and Chrissy, Oh, and she plays Sissy, so it, was, <laughs> it always confuses me where I'm just like... No, your name's Sissy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I just was like, when this started, I couldn't remember, I haven't seen that movie in ages, so I didn't remember who was who, so I was yeah. like, did she play Missy in both movies? But I just looked it up, and she, she 
she was sissy. Oh god. And then the fourth one was justice, but that's why she didn't uh, she didn't fit the group. Oh. And she ends up leaving the group. You're gonna laugh at this, but one of the things I thought was so badass was when they were like, sorry, tattoos are forbidden. And she like sticks up her middle finger, like licks it and wipes the fake tattoo yeah. off. I thought that was so badass. <laughs> Back in the day, I was like, oh, no, she did <laughs> Also, that tattoo was way too good looking for her to have done with a pen in class. Like it was it was clearly like a real fake tattoo, like one where you have to like wet it and put it on. Yeah. So I was like, with one hand, you did that perfectly. It was but fair enough. I mean, you know, other kids might have tried to replicate that with yeah. a pen on their arm at some point yeah. after watching this movie. But I, I love. I yeah. don't know who, but I love how she like hit all the tropes of like the badass girl. She had the chain hanging from her wallet, and yeah. she had the the fake tattoo, and like her hair was kind of greasy, and just like yeah. Like, she literally looked exactly like Faith and Buffy. She like, did. like, all she needed was the leather jacket. Uh, okay, so this is where we have to address something here, now that you mentioned Buffy. I've mentioned it like three times <laughs> <laughs> So, Courtney on the squad, and Courtney and Whitney, really, um, but Courtney in particular, the blonde who attacks Missy, like, right off the bat. Yeah. Who calls her an Uber dyke. Yes. First of all, I had no idea until like I was twenty what that line meant. Really? I was like, "What is she calling her?" You never heard the word "dyke" before. I I wasn't exposed to it that's somehow. Funny. Okay. And I I think Uber also. I heard Ubered hike. Like uh, that's what I heard for years. No, yeah, it was then, it was super popular in two thousand to use Uber to like to, uh, to mean like super like. Uh, yeah. yeah. Now it means a car service, but. But anyway, it's just a German word. Uh yeah, um, but Courtney, you don't recognize her. Nah, right now, I don't even. I can't picture who's Courtney. Oh my god! Remember, uh, crap! Now I forgot her name. The villain, the crazy one, the crazy villain from Buffy, who Hope. No, you call Faith Hope all the time, so I'm so confused. Jesus Christ! Glory. Glory. That's Glory. That was Glory. Yeah. Oh snap! <laughs> Uh, her name is Glorificus. All uh, right, for sorry. you Buffy heads. But the the woman who plays Courtney is Glory. Damn, I don't recognize faces at all. I was I kept looking at you, being like, "Oh, nah. they're talking to each other." Uh, well, Faith and Glory never met on the show. Ah, uh, that's whatever. Faith was in jail during Jesus season. Christ! I I was like, I can't believe you don't like. They were both. I think. I never, That's, you know, I can't ever remember faces in movies. I like, know, I, but she literally looked exactly the same, and she kind of like complained, like she was. Ugh, what whatever. was her What was her name in Bring It On? Courtney. Oh yeah, that is her. All right. All right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you did not lie. <laughs> I did not lie. That's awesome, though. Yeah. So I I think there were some Buffy fans on the producing side. Oh, I mean, they even have that line that comes up later. Oh, oh, you know it already. Yeah, we saw I the movie. S- I know, but I didn't know if you <laughs> like would notice. I got it right away. <laughs> so, just wanted to tap on that classic audition scene. Notably, Whitney and Courtney don't want Missy on the team, but Torrance actually goes after um, Missy at her home and was like tr- convinces her to join the squad. Yeah, because um, she's the she's a she's a gymnast, so mm-hmm. she doesn't like cheering. But the school didn't have a gymnastics team, so she can do the best like flips and tucks and all that shit exactly. uh and they were trying to go the nepotism route and get the one the one girl's little sister on the team yeah and i appreciated that the little sister actually looked like a freshman yeah she looked like a freshman and also she looked like just like she didn't really want to be there but she didn't want to like let her sister down yeah. so like like she was trying but not like really you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally 
So And I like the way when it cuts to the sister and she's like mouthing the words along as if like we stayed up all fucking night practicing <laughs> this. Like, like Yep. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, and also uh we also get introduced to the love interest Cliff. Missy's brother. Uh, that's earlier though in the classroom they meet she meets Kirsten Dunst and then at, when she goes to meet Missy that's when they find out yeah and that's uh that's the clock stoppers guy right yes yeah yeah I remember seeing that movie oh, had a huge crush on him what happened to that day. dude he's still around he, he actually looks pretty great nice he stopped I... time and then fucking <laughs> <laughs> didn't age <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's still actively acting I just haven't seen him in anything yeah. personally but uh yeah you find out that uh, Cliff is Missy's brother, so that is easy for us to keep revisiting that yeah. love story. And they're both like the like too cool for school. <laughs> I didn't like I, when I was younger. You know, you're like, oh, they're like the cool ones. But like when I see it now, and they're like, you know, they're clearly like just as like rich and like they have like no reason to be like so angsty. It's like fuck you, man. Like like they're always just like everything sucks, man. I just live in my mansion and play my electric guitars and you know. And it's just like yeah. like stop being a fucking prick. Like you know, they're all so freaking. It'd be rich. one thing if 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 like they came from like the wrong side of the tracks and maybe like like I don't know how, but like if there was some kind of storyline where they weren't as rich. But like once yeah. you see their setup, it's just like you guys have no. Reason reason to be fucking angry at the world like well i felt like they were like we don't want to be like anybody else or like everybody else you know what i mean like they're the rebellious yeah i feel like they're gonna grow out of that shit in five (laughs) years like that's some teenage nonsense lol (laughs) they slide it in the dialogue that missy and cliff move around a lot so they actually came from los angeles yeah to this new town they're like the cool ones so when they when missy attends her first rehearsal for the toro she actually realizes that she's seen the routine before yeah at her old school or at one of her previous gymnast competitions or whatever yeah yeah yeah. and yeah that's when she like tries to bail and then takes kirsten dunst over to east compton yeah and then they get robbed i'm kidding (laughs) i'm kidding i'm kidding (laughs) i have a dumb question sure to go back so when we first meet cliff in that classroom scene we talked about Mm -hmm. he walks into class the teacher says hey we have a new student it's cliff you know, they have the whole thing with the bullies calling him a loser. Yeah. He talks to Kirsten Dunst for like five, for like three minutes. Then the bell rings and class ends? That was homeroom. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I was just like, what kind of class is this? I the know. teacher didn't even say anything. Like, <laughs> But fair enough. I kind of forgot about homeroom. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in my homeroom, we listen to the morning announcements, but fair enough. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, same here. <laughs> All right, never mind. I was just like, what the hell class is this? <laughs> So yes, we're at East Compton, and you see the clo- the clovers perform "Birds Cold in Here" in the most fantastic way, and especially amazing because pre- right before you saw the Toros performing it, so you really get that, you know, is it juxtaposition between yeah 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 oh nice I'm <laughs> smart. <laughs> And this is where Gabrielle Union comes in, in her character of Isis. Oh, uh, oh yeah, 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 for sure. When, when Right before we learn that they stole the routine from Gabrielle Union's mm-hmm. team, when we think it's still theirs, and then they play the beat to uh, DJ Cool's Let Me Clear My Throat. And I was like, you know, fucking white people know Let Me Clear My Throat in 2000. Like, that That's shit, so funny. That shit got appropriated later. So I was like, I was like oh, okay, that makes more sense. <laughs> it, came from, it came from the black team. I like it. I like it a lot. That's the... Let me clear my throat. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so 
after they see this cheer, Torrance and Missy try and bounce, but Gabrielle Union comes out with a couple of clovers and actually confronts Torrance. Yeah, and, and it makes it clear that she's known this whole time that they've been stealing. Because yeah. she says, like, we've been seeing our routines on ESPN and all that. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, she's the captain now. Like, so that's why, you know, they haven't made any moves in the past because Gabrielle Union wasn't the captain. But yeah. now she is and she's going to stop, put this to an end. Ooh. And I just, I remember actually being scared in this moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I mean, I think the more I watch it as I grow up, uh, the more I appreciate, like, how sh- she, like, really went about and been, like, you know, we saw this Raggedy Ann come in with the camcorder attached to her hand, yeah. and that's not happening anymore. Uh, just so good. And I love, I forget the character's name, but yeah, this is where that line comes in, with the beat, Buffy beat reference. Beat these Buffies down or yeah, whatever. Yeah, beat these Buffies down so I can go home. Yeah. I knew you'd appreciate that. I literally wrote, you can't fight no vampire slayer. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> Just a side note here, Gabrielle Union actually worked with Peyton and the writers a lot. I actually think Gabby should get a producer credit for this nice. because she was really involved with how Isis and the Clovers are portrayed in this film. Mm-hmm. Like how to go about that. Not to make it too confrontational to make them the villain because they're not the villain in this movie. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, how to approach th- that character and storyline in general, like how to go about it. Yeah, that's like I said, like I was. I wasn't really into it until this point of the movie because that's when you know, something new happened. It wasn't mm-hmm. just about like, no, I'm the leader, so we're going to go to victory. Yeah. And I do think it does take some kind of writing. It does take some skill to be able to do this story without truly villainizing one side. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they kind of like let you see where they were coming from. I mean, like, Big Red's like the closest to an actual villain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? But she's barely even in the movie. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's that's always refreshing where it's not just like, they're bad, we're good, let's do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, it was cool. Gabrielle mentioned how they actually brought in a black writer, uh, Gary Hardwick, to help dive into how to write for the Clovers as well, nice. which was cool. I, I really appreciated that collaboration. Yeah. They definitely had more naturalistic dialogue and less like that embarrassing shit you see when like, mm-hmm. you know, like the... Uh, bringing down the house style black people dialogue like you know what i mean like it wasn't just like yo my dogs and all that shit it's like dude people are normal and it's like yes people talk like that but not every black person talks like that yeah i think there were (laughs) hints of that be in the beginning like at the in the original script yeah um and then that got edited out i mean and it was a little bit like that with the like the characters that the black the group was Mm -hmm. from but like also that just so I'm just saying you can't have dialogue like that because it, it made sense for those characters, you know? Mm-hmm. But, like, if Gabrielle Union was talking like that, it wouldn't have made as much sense because the way she's, like, you know, just... Yeah, you don't want to make her look like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's it, it, it was it felt naturalistic. It was yeah good. So now we get to the point where, you know, they can't really... Torrance can't really act ignorant anymore. Like, she the, the whole truth is in front of her face now. And she yeah. kind of goes back to her team and is like, this is the truth. What should we do? I think we should, you know, come to terms with it and start a new routine. But the whole team votes against her. And they're like, we already have this routine. We're national championships. We've won three And we, and we don't have that much time exactly. like until the competition or whatever. <laughs> argue. <laughs> you can argue against that, considering. It's oh, like the first mind. day of school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but whatever. Um, <laughs> and they just. You're allowed to criticize a movie you like. You don't have to <laughs> blindly love every aspect. No, no. I, I, I am. I'm doing it. <laughs> Missy's disappointed, but goes along with it, I guess. Yeah. But whatever. 
and they continue to do their stolen routines. Yeah, and then it's not until they're called out, like, literally in front. Like, they're doing a routine at a game, and then Gabrielle and the crew show up and copy their exact routine. Not copy, but do the routine alongside to show that, like, you stole it from us. That's that's why we know it word for word. Exactly. And I love that, too, because I feel like that happens a lot where people of color confront the people who are appropriating their culture. Yeah. And they're like, oh, sorry, blah, blah, blah. But then they keep go- going off and doing it anyway. Like the Clovers came back and they're like, we know they're going to keep doing this. Yeah, exactly. So we're just going to like keep, you know, and exposing them yeah. to everybody as frauds. These guys shouldn't be champions. We should be. Yeah. So I absolutely love that scene. I know we don't normally go through the whole plot, but I just felt like those moments and beats in particular, we just had to oh, call yeah. out. For sure. For sure. I feel like the more times I've seen this movie too, I, I kind of have less respect for the Toros every single time. <laughs> because if you really break down the plot, it's like they're champions because they stole this routine forever. Mm-hmm. Then they finally decide to make it right and they do it by using all their money to just hire someone. Like I feel like the movie would have worked better if they made up their own routine. And I know that hiring the choreographer is like the, the comedy highlight of the movie. Uh-huh. But I feel like if we wanted me to respect them as a team and as people, as characters in a movie... It would have been better if they actually worked hard on developing their own routines. It basically, they just hired someone to do it for them. And it just seemed like that was a little bit lazy in terms of the characters. Well, that was part of the journey, right? They had to hire someone first and then learn from that mistake and go on to do their own thing. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess you're right. Oh, yeah, because then they watch a bunch of movies and shit. <laughs> Did mind. you see it? Okay. <laughs> Andy definitely fell asleep when we were watching this movie. Uh, I, that proves it. Uh, nope. I was like the whole time. Uh huh. So, all right. I'm I'm not angry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Cut that out, please. Oh god, that is not being cut out. (laughs) Because the championship is coming up so quickly, Torrance panics and hires a choreographer so that way they can get a routine ready for nationals. Yeah. And there are two things I want to touch on, but first I'll touch on the choreographer. Sparky Palastri, yeah. who is a recommendation that Torrance gets from her boyfriend, Aaron, yeah. while he's at college. And the funny thing about Aaron is, you know, Torrance always calls him when she needs something, and he just always gives her advice that just ends up being awful in the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, just a terrible boyfriend all around. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, it takes her, like, 20 calls to even get to him. Mm-hmm. So, anyway... She hires Sparky Palastri, who is played by Ian Roberts, who's actually the founding a founding member of the Upright Citizens Brigade. Oh, nice. Awesome. <laughs> and it was his idea to make the character a Bob Fosse wannabe, like oh, this drug, nice. very intense like choreographer who yeah. just, you know, the amount of pills that he takes during <laughs> the scenes are hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> That actually was pretty funny. Yeah. I I love the roll call. He just, like, makes them, you know, stand in line, and he kind of, like, judges them one by one. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, today could be problematic, but I still think it's it's hilarious. It's funny. It's fine. (laughs) Smile. Don't smile. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, like I mentioned earlier with the spirit fingers being, like, the line that, 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 like, lasted so long after this movie. Like, I feel like this, this one scene was, like, the... Like the big comedic like moment that a lot of people always remembered and talked oh, about. Oh yeah, totally. In my opinion, 
at nationals, unfortunately, in front of everybody, re- they realize that this choreographer has been hired by other cheerleading squads and has been divvying out the same routine to yep. all of these yeah, squads. Yeah. So when they get to nationals, or I'm sorry, th- this isn't nationals. This is like the preliminary competition yeah. that qualifies you for nationals, the qualifiers, I guess. So the Toros, they actually hear the routine happening. Like they hear the music cue yeah. and they're like right up next, yeah. <laughs> which is hilarious. And the Clovers are obviously there because they, they're actually going tr- aiming for nationals this year. Yep. So it's hilarious on their front because obviously they threatened the Toros not to steal their routines. And to them, it looks like they just stole another r- team's routine. Yep. Oh, so brilliant. So great. <laughs> You have no comments here. I, I'm just letting you go. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, totally. Um. See? All right. <laughs> when the Clovers come on to the preliminaries and they kind of like walk past Darcy and the other Toro. Yeah. And Gabrielle Union gives this like side eyebrow raise. Uh-huh. That's literally the reason why I know how to raise my eyebrow. <laughs> I just wanted to be just like her. <laughs> That's so funny. I practice in the mirror for weeks. I feel like a generation of people all did it because of The Rock, and you <laughs> did it because of Gabrielle Union. <laughs> I, I never learned. I used to I used to practice doing it so I could do the rock, the people's eyebrow, as they called it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I could never do it. Still to this day, can't do it. Just can't raise one eyebrow. It's, oh, it's impossible. One day. So yeah, I, I I think that's all I want to talk, kind of touch on in the not in the non spoiler section here. Obviously, the Toros get to advance because they've been champions for the past three years, so they kind of get an automatic win yeah. or advance to the nationals. It's but some bullshit. It's pretty, <laughs> yeah, but it is still pretty embarrassing for them. That's the uh, the Karate Kid Three syndrome. The uh, lazy ass Ralph Macchio was sick of doing karate, mm-hmm. so he made the screenwriters write a rule where because he won the last karate championship, he goes right to the last round. Oh wow! And that way he didn't have to film a shitload of karate scenes. And I was just like, what kind of whack ass competition is this? Where you get everyone else tired out, and then you just get to roll in at the end and do one final fight. So I was just like, yeah, this this whole like auto advancing the last year's winners is horseshit. Yeah, but they also <laughs> gave them a pass too because. The head of the committee was like, "We've never had a situation like this." Yeah, before. so yeah, it was yeah. kind of like, no, true. it wasn't. It's, it's that not. Qu- it's level. not quite that, but I just it always reminds me of that of, yeah, him being lazy and being like, "I'm not doing this anymore." Yeah. <laughs> One last thing is, I usually skip this scene when I rewatch it on my own because it's just so cringy. Oh, uh, that's funny. <laughs> so I usually skip this part. I actually watch the beginning up to the last time we see the clovers, and I skip to the nationals <laughs> like, you love skipping around the movies <laughs> so i never do that it's just i love it so there was one last thing i wanted to touch on on the choreography scene but i want to do it in the spoiler section cool do you want to just go into it so we could talk about the ending totally so the second half that i wanted to talk about in the choreographer scene is this is where i think they touch on privilege very well yeah in the film is because obviously the toros they're facing, they need money to hire this choreographer, right? Yeah. So there's a scene where they, Torrance asks this rich girl on their team, Darcy, f- for money because yeah. they're the daughter, the, her dad helps finance a lot of the team's expenses. Yep. So she basically provides like $500 and they go to a, and they host a car wash to raise the rest of the money. Yeah. 
this cute little like everybody wears bikinis, good looking people in a you know Liars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Sorry. But like I don't want to be the buzzkill, but it's just so funny. Like when you're younger you're like, This is this is so hot and then when you're older you're just like uh, do your parents allow this? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it is actually very cringy. I would not allow my 16, 17-year-olds to be doing that. Yeah. But but on the cl- on the other side, the Clovers, they literally need money to participate in the competition. Yeah. And they are, you know, what we've seen as an audience, the best team. Like, all the best routines are theirs that, have, that we've seen this entire movie. They literally have to write into a talk show to get money for uniforms and, you know, just anything that they need to go to this competition. Yeah. I just feel like that touches on privilege. Like, you yeah. know? I, it felt to me that that character was, like, almost like an Oprah stand-in, the talk yeah. show host, and she went to their high school, so that's why they feel like they could, they could like, appeal to her. Yeah, she was, yeah, she's from East Compton, so, yeah. like, she would know their story. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. And the reason why I wanted to touch on that is because there's this, there's this awesome scene where... Torrance finds out that the Clovers aren't registered to be in in nationals because even though they qualified and they did great at regionals, they don't have the money to participate. So she goes to her dad and asks her dad to get their money to sponsor the Clovers. Yeah. And it's probably the best part of her character. Like in terms of that, like she knows if you don't compete against the best and win, you're not really the best. Mm -hmm. So if they go to nationals and the Clovers aren't there, they couldn't even consider themselves being the best because they know the best wasn't going against them. Right. So it was cool. So when she goes and gives this check to Isis, Isis rips it up, which I totally agreed with even at the time when I was younger. Yeah. Because it's, and I think she might have called it guilt money. Yeah, I um, think so. And I just think that it was so... Some good old white guilt. <laughs> yeah. Um, because even if they won, like let's say they took the check, they won, it, w- it would be like the Toros are the reason why they won. Which is not, you know, yeah, like, it's... exactly. And I think it kind of flips that whole, like, you know, they call it the the white savior tropes in storytelling mm-hmm. when, you know, there's, like, it's a story about black people and then, like, Brad Pitt comes in at the end and frees all the slaves and you're like, why the fuck did I just watch 12 Years a Slave? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> just, they're just waiting for Brad Pitt dressed as Jesus to show up. Yeah. So, yeah, that that's, like, a trope that always happens in these movies where, like, one white person comes and, like, makes every, all the black people's lives better. And so I like that they just kind of, like, flip that. Yeah. And I probably wouldn't have expected it from a movie that seemed shallow on the surface. Mm-hmm. You know? Totally. Like, it just seems like a, like, a, it just seems like a, like, when you look at the cover and you watch the first 10 minutes, it just seems like a very bubbly, shallow teen movie. And then this is the kind of stuff that got me interested. Yeah. Pretty much what you predicted would happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's a fantastic scene. And I think it's a learning moment. Yes, Torrance was trying to do the right thing, but... It was just not executed. She didn't do it the right way. Yeah. And I love that because I felt like that was a moment of growth for the main character. Mm -hmm. Who I wouldn't necessarily call... I mean, yes, I think the team, the Toros in general, because it sounded like Big Red kind of just did her thing and told them what to do and where to stand. Yeah. But it... I mean, it was a cheerocracy, so... Right. (laughs) Oh, I really appreciate that. But Jessica, actually, the writer of this movie, talked about how that was kind of representative of ignorance of white people Mm -hmm. and not knowing where the good things they have come from or came from. Yeah. You know, the land that you have, the wealth that you have. that The access to things. Exactly. Yeah. So 
the Toros should have been questioning where these fantastic routines came from. Like, it shouldn't have been a cheerocracy. Yeah. So Torrance was representative of the kind of ignorance of, like, those kinds of things, you know? So her realizing that, you know, this was wrong and trying to basically going through that journey on how to fix it. Yeah. Was very important. I think, yeah, I think it's a lot easier to write a story like condemning like straight up racism. Like you can just have a character like that character's racist and Mm -hmm. she's wrong. But I think it takes a little bit more nuance to write about ignorance in a realistic way. Right. Because there is a difference between ignorance and racism. And I do feel like there's a lot more ignorance out there. You know what I mean? Like less people are actively walking around being like, I hate this person because they look like this. And it's more just they're a little bit more blinded to the way the world works because Mm -hmm. of the bubble they live in. Yeah. So I think that was pretty cool. Totally. So that's a great scene, and I just thought it touched on privilege so well. I have privilege. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) My dad is a cash cow. All right. right. (laughs) So... I, I, oh, I, mean, I feel like we skipped over something that I got to talk about, which... <sighs> I know what you're going to say. Uh, all right. I watch I watch a lot of horror movies. I watch gore fests. I've seen people drowning in blood in movies. I've seen this and that. One of the grossest scenes in film oh. history is the flirting while brushing your teeth and spitting all over again scene. Jesus Christ. And I hated it as a 10-year-old, and I legitimately gagged last <laughs> night when we watched it. I was sitting in front of the TV, and I went, because it right. is so gross. So what Andy is referring <laughs> is to so is Cliff gross. and Torrance's scene towards the beginning of yeah, the, the movie, whole movie when they're they, flirting. They have, yeah, the whole movie, they have a little budding romance, but honestly, I feel like it doesn't really mean shit. <laughs> like, it, it doesn't even really need to be in the movie, in my opinion. I, I will argue against that, only right. because Torrance not only learns about you know, the Clover side of things, but she also learns about the kinds of people she needs to have in her life. She has this boyfriend, Aaron, who every time she goes to him for help, she comes to him and is like, I don't know what to do with this routine. Oh, hire someone. I don't know what to do about the the Toros. Like, we just embarrassed ourselves. Maybe you shouldn't be captain. Like, he just never encourages her. Yeah, yeah. Or believes in her. But Cliff is the complete opposite of that. And I thought that that was, even though maybe okay, 100%, like, it maybe is not necessary, but for me, growing up as a girl, seeing the kind of supportive boyfriend you want to have in your life, I like that they touched on that. All right, yeah, I get it. Like, you want someone who believes in you, not someone who kind of just like, eh, you're hot. Yeah, exactly. Maybe you should give it to someone else. Um, Well, anyway, they're little, after they have their meet cute and stuff, (laughs) Kirsten Dunst, uh, Torrance is sleeping at at the house of Cliff and... uh, Missy. <laughs> <laughs> you could have um, said sissy and yeah. gotten to Missy. Um, and then, yeah, so they're both in the bathroom. Like, Kirsten then goes in to brush her teeth, and then Cliff comes in too, and they have this, like, silent flirting scene where they're brushing teeth. And uh, and spitting in the uh, spitting in the sink, but like basically they they like look at each other in the eye, spit in the sink, <laughs> put the toothbrush back in, and they're both just spitting left and right. And I'm sorry, but it's fucking gross. I, like no, no, nothing of that is cute or makes me go like ooh, like f- fuck, like. Ugh. That is so funny to me that you find it so gross. It's nasty. It's, I mean, yes. I mean, I think people spitting in general is nasty. Like when I'm walking on the sidewalk and someone just hocks some spit, I'm like, like I spitting's just fucking gross man and it's definitely shouldn't be used as the flirtation device listen uh, you want me to hawk one right now you think it'll be hot no i it's not that it's the, uh, <laughs> i can't even i think i at the time i thought it was cute i understand your point of view yeah i just don't like watching people spit and for it to be used as the as the scene where they like fall in love was just like get the fuck out of here it's not when they fall in love it's not 
right, you're taking. And she falls in love with him when he's rocking alone in his bedroom. Like, it's like does he do that every night? (laughs) No, that's not what he's doing. (sighs) When he's rocking through his guitar. Oh, you're talking. Yeah, yeah. Also, like, do you have a soundproof room? Yeah, yeah. Trust. Yeah, I've been in suburban homes with with instruments, drums, especially electric guitar. Yeah, that you're. They should have been just here with the dad. I was like, turn that crap off. You know. Well, I think their parents were out. Like, uh, that's why she slept over. Oh, uh, okay. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, I just think it's one of the nastiest scenes in movie history. Oh God, Andy, really. Um, like... If you want to look right here, that was my note. Gross! It's, it's half a page long, and it's just gross with three exclamation points. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I also thought it was pretty funny how um, they were these national championship winning, like, ESPN cheerleading teams, but the team that they cheered for was trash. Mm-hmm. And the football team, like they play that one game, and they lose forty-two to zero. Like, yeah. a, I just find that like it's like a funny flip on it, where usually the football people are the kings of the school, totally. But they made the cheerleaders like the cool kings of the school. I actually, yeah, I that love that nice you mentioned touch. that because, yeah, in all the movies, like the football guys are like the coolest ones, but in this movie, like they're even dumb. Like they're so dumb. Yeah, they're dumb, <laughs> and like every time that they try to like be cool or tough, the joke's always on them. Like the mm-hmm. loser sneeze scene. When they're you know trying to make fun of the guy cheerleaders for being gay, and then he was just like, "You just lost, dude!" Like, <laughs> and then they're like so stupid that they see the guy, the male cheerleader stretching the girl, and they were like, "We should be cheerleaders." Then I get to touch someone's butt, yeah. you know? <laughs> just like, yeah, those guys <laughs> suck. So when you mentioned something gross, I did not think you were. I mean, I knew you hated that scene with yeah, Cliff I've and the spinning, but I actually thought you were talking about nationals, the announcer guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you hear this announcer voiceover? He's, like, jerking off in the booth or oh, something. Oh, God. <laughs> He's just like, He's Jesus like... Christ. <laughs> this is one of the one of the uh, parts of the film that does not stand the test of time. <laughs> this announcer's like, these teenage... Gr- anything that has teenage girls' skirts and dance are okay by me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, also, I just want to bring man. up because of uh, how harsh you were on Bill and Ted for their one use of the f bomb. Oh, I think we heard about five to six f bombs in this movie. You're, I literally saw you tallying <laughs> how many times they dropped. I'm just saying, if you're gonna if you're gonna judge one movie harshly that came out 12 years before this one, culturally, this movie had 12 more years of quote unquote progress yeah. to realize they probably shouldn't be throwing that in movies. But I will stand by that. Again, I was a teenager at that time. That shit got thrown around left and right. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, I'm not judging it. I'm just saying you got to be fair on your. If you're gonna judge Bill and Ted, no, I'll give you that. <laughs> I thought that there were way more than I remembered being. Yeah. So yeah, I'll yeah. Give that you movie that. was like candy back then. It was a PG-13 fucking <sighs> okay for everybody. Apparently. God, so many. <laughs> I just wanted to, just wanted to defend Bill and Ted. <laughs> I know. When you were a kid. When it came down to the last competition scene, were you just rooting for the Clovers straight up, or were you still kind of hoping that the Toros would would come through in the win because they were the main characters? Right. But I remember wanting the Clovers to win. Yeah. But I also remember being excited to see the Toros routine because you kind of get, you know, Torrance is like, all right, we can't hire a choreographer. We need to do our own thing, and she this what sparks her inspiration is basically cliff gives her a mix cd to help cheer her up after their after they bomb regionals yeah and she's kind of expired inspired and she has like this awesome dance scene yeah she's like on dance, her bed it seems like it's the first time she's ever heard punk rock in her entire <laughs> life she's like what is this yeah so she's like all right you know 
let's just get inspired by different types of move, moves we yeah. like and different types of music, swing dance, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So and I, they, they kind of show her ignorance too early, very early on when she first meets Cliff and she thinks The Clash is his band. Oh. And it's an incredibly famous band from the <laughs> 80s. So I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. So I, w- I was curious to see like how all those moves came together. But yeah, I was totally rooting for The Clovers. Nice. Yeah, I was just curious because, you know, like in movie language, you're still kind of be like, well, these are our main characters, so I want to vote for right. Florence. But yeah, I was curious if just growing up, you were like, nah, I want the black people yeah. to win. <laughs> but I actually want to ask you about that, too. Like, what about you? I mean, I'll be I'll be honest, I definitely wasn't as into it where I was like, at the edge of my seat of like, how is this going to end, you know? Mm-hmm. And when we get there, I mean, it did, it did surprise me, but I kind of, I'd seen enough sports movies in my time. I thought, like, it would be the likelihood that the Toros would win because that's how movies sell things with the main characters and it's kind of it's what i like and it's why like i said like with the extra little all the extra subjects this movie's touching on it's i do think it makes it better than a lot of other sports movies where i feel like if they're not written well they always boil down to are we gonna win or lose Mm -hmm. and when you watch a lot of sports movies that gets a little boring Mm -hmm. so when you have a little extra tension like i remember the titans or something like that i find it better than you know like i grew up loving like the mighty ducks movies but I was never that into the ending because I was like, they're going to win. They're the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> like, it was more so, like, the jokes leading up to it that I liked as a kid mm-hmm. and, like, the fun scenes. But I never would be like, like, all right, now we're at the point where we just have to watch them play. They're going to about to lose and then they're going to come through at the end. Mm. And, you know, just so many sports movies fall into that trap. But when you have one that kind of realizes that that's not re- – winning and losing the big competition isn't really the theme of the story. There's something more you should be exploring. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the Toros, though they don't win, they actually, for the first time, learn how to create something original. <laughs> yeah, they create something original. I mean, they get second place, so it's not like they like they, they suck, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah, and it just seems like that they're setting a precedent for the team going forward, mm-hmm. that they're no longer going to be like the big red Toros, they're going to be the Torrance Toros. Right. If you, how did you perceive the Clovers? Because this is something that has is really interesting, like the Clovers as a team touch people different ways like how they're perceived in the movie like in terms of movie roles protagonists antagonists like how did did you even think about them a certain way like honestly at 10 no i didn't um Mm -hmm. a lot of the race stuff i just didn't really think about where i guess it is a form of ignorance but like always growing up and like i think a lot of it helped a lot of media i was like watching but like you know like and hey, Arnold, this is Jr. This is this friend, and he was black. Like I feel like in the '90s we were doing a lot of that, so it was never like that weird to me to see like a black like you know. I just kind of saw them as another team as a ten year old. I was like mm-hmm. ignorant enough where I was just like I didn't really put into account all this stuff that like this is the black team from the poor neighborhood who's getting their stuff stolen. It was right. like I'll be honest, I don't really remember, but because it was twenty years ago. But, like, I, it definitely didn't resonate with me like that, where I was like, oh, that was a, a pretty nuanced, uh, uh-huh. you know, display of race race relations. It, <laughs> it was more, it just, to me, felt like watching an episode of Hey Arnold. Like, I didn't watch it and be like, oh, what's Arnold's black friend going to do? It was, right. what's Arnold's best friend going to do? Uh-huh. So, it was a little bit more like that, where I was, it was just like, literally, at 10 years old, I don't see color. Like, that thing, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And, like, and then as they got older, that's when I realized, like, oh, it's actually, like, a commentary on stuff, and... Yeah, right. it was a little bit of ignorance is bliss, I think, during those years of my life where mm-hmm. I just was like, oh, all that racism stuff ended before I was born, and now we just <laughs> live in harmony. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. I, 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 I guess I'm curious because, and I didn't know this, but apparently some, a lot of people think that, one, the Toro should have won, 
And two, that Isis and the Clovers were the villains in this movie. Who are these a lot of people? Apparently, you know, people have written this online or have talked to Torrance or Torrance have, you know, been like to Kirsten Dunst, yeah, the Toro should have won. Like, you know, they, these actors are getting a lot of, I think of... those are just people who were raised on like very conventional movies mm-hmm. and they're confused when like, it doesn't go down the way a more plain script would have went down. Right. You know what I mean? And Gabrielle Union is mentioned. I, I can't quote her obviously, but it sounds like, people thought that Isis was a villain one because she had like an attitude but I'm like first of all this is something that's we all know that black people black women especially standing up for themselves unfortunately will be first thought of as having an attitude before anything else what's the word that uh they say the word he's looking for is sassy he better pray he don't find it so I guess a lot of people just saw Isis that way. Like she has an attitude there. She didn't have to be that mean to Torrance's character. What's so funny is everybody besides Torrance on the Toros have an attitude and are pieces of shit. Mm -hmm. Like every other person on that team besides Missy is like a fucking no nonsense asshole. It's insane. But like, I just, the fact that you think that the Clovers were the villains is, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, what (laughs) yeah i think that's a mix of racism and a mix of just being only exposed to very simplistic storytelling Mm -hmm. where i said like a a worse writer would have had to make a villain because it's easier Mm -hmm. to promote your heroes when they're against someone and it's harder to write a story where neither side is truly villainous Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so it's like it's harder to write that way right and i think i mean i would even argue that the toros were were the villains and then they were trying to make it right yeah no i literally wrote i was like i feel like if this was made today it would it just would have been the clovers would have been the main characters Mm -hmm. like i just think that yeah yeah that's that's why i asked earlier i was like was that ever the original intention totally yeah that just boggled my mind (laughs) i just didn't know that people could actually watch this movie and be like the clovers are the villains and the toro should have won yeah (laughs) (laughs) what what is wrong with you oh okay (laughs) Sorry, I'm getting a little heated over here. <laughs> One last thing I wanted to ask you. I, I obviously will probably have a couple of uh, things that I forgot to mention. I'm going to look through my notes, but it sounds like you were not interested in the routines at all. Did they not entertain you? I just don't understand. <laughs> uh, I mean, they entertained me in a sense, but no, I'm not that into them. Oh like, God. I'm not. I mean, it's the same reason I'm not that into dance movies. Like, sometimes you'll be on YouTube just watching dance routines, and I'll be like, it's cool, but it's not <laughs> like... It's just funny, like, yes, it's pretty plain to say, but it's it doesn't do this... Even though they're very similar, it does not do the same thing that fight scenes do for me. That's Like, I'd rather watch... I could watch, go online and watch eight Jackie Chan fight scenes I'll watch like I do with this like with like Ip Man I love Ip Man but I don't always watch from beginning to end sometimes I just throw it on to watch Donnie Yen whoop some ass here and there and there and there wow so you know it it, it, the same thing growing up watching Star Wars like you know Star Wars episode one sucks but I was nine when it came out and I fucking loved those lightsaber fights I would Mm -hmm. just constantly just rewind the tape to watch them fight with lightsabers so I think it's the same I know it's the same shit but it's just I don't know I didn't grow up liking dance I don't you know you've seen me dance I'm goofy as fuck I don't have any (laughs) formal training I don't know how to do a real move to save my life I enjoy it yeah but so it's maybe it's just because I don't I grew up watching so much martial arts movies and playing fighting video games and stuff like that so I think I you know, a 
took a little Muay Thai in Thailand. So, like, I just think I know a little bit more about the workings of martial arts where mm-hmm. I can appreciate it. And, like, dancing, I just... I've never took a... Well, I took one class with you and it kicked my ass. <laughs> uh, I appreciated yeah. that. That was awesome. So, I just don't, like... I've never been exposed to the hard work behind it and the thinking and this and that. So I don't know, it just, it just doesn't translate to my brain as much of being like, this is so fun to watch uh-huh. as it, like, even though, like I said, dance scenes and fight scenes are very similar in movies, but, uh, yeah, I just, it, it's personally just doesn't do it the same way for me. Totally. I, I appreciate that answer Yeah, and it makes sense. But yeah, like I'm not, I'm probably not going to like just boot up YouTube be like, let me rewatch that final <laughs> choreography scene. Yeah. It's I, impressive. I'm not saying it's not impressive. It's yeah. hard as fuck. It's just, it doesn't click with my brain that way. I see. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm the same way with fight scenes. I'm not going to look up a fight <laughs> scene. So I, I totally understand yeah. that. <laughs> so I mentioned Natina Reed from Black, one of the members of the girl group, passed away in 2012. Unfortunately, yeah. she wasn't the only person to pass away from the cast. Um, the guy who plays Aaron, the boyfriend. Oh, really? He passed away in 2009. Damn. And I had to do some digging to figure out how he f- passed away. Why? It was just not anywhere. <laughs> I ended up finding out how he died, and hopefully this is true. I had to like find it on a forum. Mm-hmm. The, the actor's name was Richard Hillman, and a, he was the son of like this rich family. I guess his dad was a producer. And he died of a heroin overdose. Oh, man. Yeah, um, I can see why they probably just didn't want to advertise it like that. Yeah. And I there were actually a couple of multiple accounts about his family situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really know what's true or not, but it sounded like his dad sucked. Like, Damn. was the reason why he was just not emotionally or mentally stable. Just didn't seem like a supportive, like, dad or whatever. And... I think just because he grew up in sort of a toxic household, uh, he just was constantly on drugs. Um, and he was actually uh, HIV positive oh, man. as well. But that was just, he ended up dying of a heroin overdose, but yeah. uh, that he ha- he was that as well, um, which is very sad. Yeah, it's really, that's a shame. But yeah, it really sucks because Aaron as a character was so fantastic and I would have liked to see him in more things. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I've never really seen that guy, but it makes sense if he ended up passing away like nine years after. Yeah. And then just a couple of last fun facts, Andy facts about Mm -hmm. the cast. The characters that play or the actors who play Whitney and Courtney are actually best friends in real life. So I think that's why their chemistry is so great on, on screen. And because you were so curious, actually, you were furious that Hey Mickey, the song that comes oh, in yeah. at the end, was in your head all night? Yeah, it's just I just never liked that song. It just <laughs> has, like, four lyrics, and it's so goddamn repetitive. But, like, they like it gets stuck in your head. Like, I'm not saying it's not catchy, but totally. it just, it just frustrates. What is that song? How old is it? <laughs> what, who wrote it? And who the fuck is Mickey? So, I don't, I don't have... I didn't write down the name of the guy who wrote it, but it, first of all, this... There's like two iterations of this song, one that was released, I think, in 79, and then it was rewritten and re-released in 81 um, by Toni Basil. I think she's a UK artist, Uh um, and it was on her debut album, Word of Mouth. And I I wrote down that this is the 80s version of WAP (laughs) (laughs) because it was criticized for its raunchy lyrics. Oh, that's hilarious. LOL. Like one of the lines that was called out was like, Come on and give it to me any way you can. 
any way you want to do. I'll take it like a man. Oh. And people were like, this is crazy. And why would you even say that? That's... You're, you want to be abused by a man? Oh, uh, I get it. I was going to say, because like, that was the era when like, Madonna was, you know, talking about like a virgin and all that shit. Like, you know, so mm -hmm. I feel like she was in good company of like yeah. music was getting raunchier at the time uh. or like more sexually explicit. Yeah. I, I, it's it's so funny how like. In the 50s, like, I want to hold your hand was, like, considered, like, oh, Jesus you know, Christ. like, how dare you give teenagers those ideas, you know? <laughs> take, 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 take my hand. Take my hand. We're gonna walk through the park. I promise to have you home before dark. Oh, life would be so sweet. Walking with you. That we mentioned earlier with Torrance dancing on the bed yeah. to Cliff's song. That song is a song by Ruf, uh, this band called Rufus King. Uh -huh. And it actually wasn't ready by the time that they shot this scene. So what Torrance is actually dancing to is the director Peyton playing his guitar on the side of That's set. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say she was dancing to Hey Mickey. Oh, no. <laughs> But pretty cool. That was the one thing that was not choreographed for this movie. Oh, like, she funny. improvised that whole dance. I could see that. Which is really fun. <laughs> it was just a lot of arms and legs. <laughs> <laughs> pretty hard to choreograph that. Yeah. I'm just saying, yeah, it was, it was a lot of hard moves. Like, it was just a lot of, like... <laughs> <laughs> and the last thing I'll mention is, obviously, this is a pop culture classic movie. So, it's been referenced in a lot of movies. A lot of other movies. Not another teen movie. Oh, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> nice. It's already been barat. <laughs> and this movie called Fired Up, which is actually a fantastic scene. And now I want to watch the whole movie. Nice. And I'm going to show it to you right after we shoot this. Cool. Or ap right after we tape this. And let me give you a little tip from a cheerleader. Be aggressive. Be aggressive. boy i love him no seriously seriously i love him the fun thing about not another teen movie is the younger brother from this movie is actually in not another Teen. ah movie. that's where i recognize him from <laughs> yeah yeah that movie is pretty bad but at uh, age 11 i thought it was hilarious <laughs> i rented it a lot so i apologize to everyone listening hopefully you listening appreciate and know how awesome this movie is which is why i have so many things to say about it but <laughs> i'm gonna hold myself back should we go a little beyond the credits totally so i think solange gets into the high school mm -hmm. and then oh wait no i know what happens next okay there's gonna be this uh, underground cheer group called cheernonymous who infiltrates a cheerleading competition <sighs> and they hashtag cheer smack everybody and someone gets hit with a pretzel and says, I hate carbs. Ew, ew, ew. Wow. And then we turn off the movie. I think that's what happens next. <laughs> okay. For everybody who's lost, Andy actually laid out what actually happens in hashtag cheer smack, which is the fifth or sixth movie? I want to say it's got to be at least six. Yeah. 
you don't go you don't go as far as cheer anonymous. They're, they're playing off the group anonymous on the internet who fucking hacks people's shit and fucks their life up. Yeah. But this is that, but a cheerleading version of it. Yes. And you know, a person wears a hood and is cloaked in all black and has a voice modulator and they're like, we're here to take over cheerleading. <laughs> that is funny. We, tu- um, we turned that off after the ill carbs line. Yeah, I didn't. That wasn't. It was like six minutes in. Yeah, I, I don't know. She didn't even eat the pretzel. It hit her cheek, and she <laughs> said, "Ew, carbs." I'm like, yeah, this movie sucks. Uh, sorry, that was a joke. That was not the uh, uh, my actual beyond the credits. But yeah, obviously there are sequels f- uh, for Bring It On, but not they, these characters. Yeah, not these characters. Actually, in each movie, it's a different high school or college and different set of I characters. I kind of hate that. I I would rather watch a bad sequel with the same people than mm-hmm. just when they do the same thing with different like lesser people. Like you know, like the big fat liar two thing. Like totally. Like I like not that I think. We need any big fat liar too, but mm-hmm. like at least if you're gonna do it, I'd rather see what happens to Frankie Muniz and shit like that. So, right. yeah, I, I I prefer continuity over just reap doing. Right, and you know, unfortunately, they found. I mean, I I like the formula. I think you could still be inventive with it, but you know, they have it's a little formulaic now, where it's you start out with an opening dream su- sequence. You definitely yeah. have the bad audition scene, and then you definitely have a competition. And like, I like. I think what they could have what makes it work. Like most of the American Pie sequels suck. There's like four that went direct to video, but. The one cool thing about it is that Eugene Levy is in every single movie. Mm. He plays Jim's dad in the first movie. And even though it makes no sense why he's there every time, he's at least like the one through line through each movie where you're like, right. oh, there's Jim's dad again doing his thing. Yeah. So like, even if they got like fucking Sparky, what's his name? Like the choreographer. Sparky yeah. Like if, like if Sparky was in every movie, you know, yeah. just, just something like actually to tie him together, I would appreciate it a little more. Totally. Um, but yeah, I figured for Beyond the Cards, we would focus on these characters and not like the world of yeah. Bring It On. And I should preface this with saying they actually shot multiple endings for this movie. Oh, really? Um, one of them being you actually see Isis and Torrance end up going to the same college. And that sequel setup ending. Exactly. So, setup. you know, they were going to set it up where, you know, they're both kind of eyeing for that captain spot. Yeah, yeah. So that would have been pretty cool. Yeah. It's out, it's on the deleted scenes of the DVD if anyone's interested. Yeah. So for my, my beyond the credits, I'm basing it all just on one line that happens early in the movie where I feel like Kirsten Dunst is going to have some, or Torrance is going to have some, some, some troubles and some rude awakenings with how life works as time goes on. Because you tell, you find out towards the beginning that she's like a real shitty student, and her dad is like, "Yo, you gotta like focus." I don't think on- she's that. Her dad says something about, like, you got to focus on stuff. And she was like, why would I study all this stuff when all I want to do is cheer? It's the most important thing. <laughs> and, yes, it is possible to be a professional cheerleader and all that. I think it's very rare. And I th- it's like the people who focus, like, way too hard on, like, lacrosse and focus their whole life in high school on lacrosse. And then they become, like, 23. And all of a sudden, they're like, I don't have any skills mm-hmm. that can do anything except for what's important in high school. Right. So I think she needs to uh, get her priorities a little straighter. And, I mean, yes, she's got daddy's money and will probably be fine. You sound like the dad. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you know I'm getting older. <laughs> um, so I just feel like she's so focused on this one point in her life where, yes, cheerleading is very important in high school. She's going to get older and just realize, fuck, I didn't study nothing. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so I just feel like she's just going to have, like, an identity crisis once college is over, personally. Mm. That's as far as I got. All right, that's your beyond. What about Gabrielle Union's character? Uh, she seemed resilient and smart enough that she'll make something work. 
Like, she seems like she can deal with whatever, like, situation she's put in and make the best out of it. Mm. So I do feel like she might be a little bit smarter and not be so focused on cheering and be like, I need to get some, I need to get a career path going here. Uh (laughs) But I do think they all go on to cheer in college. Like, I don't think that they're just going to end their cheer sesh. Yeah. And, yeah, I don't know. I think that whole college fighting for the same captain on the same team would actually be a decent sequel. Mm. Like, that wouldn't have been too bad. Yeah. Like, if you had to make one. Yeah. I totally agree. I was actually really excited for a movie like that. So when I first saw Bring It On 2 was coming out, I was so excited until I saw that it was none of these characters. And that was actually, it bummed me out. And I think uh, a nice little extra thing would be if um, their their rival school, well, their college, is the one that the boyfriend and Big Red go to. And then all of a sudden it's them versus those two. And like, so yeah, it would have been the classic (laughs) thing where her and Gabrielle are like, sort of enemies and then in the end they end up like we gotta yeah. we gotta we gotta put our, our cheers together that would actually to cheer feet these people be a great allies movie like you know there's this whole commentary on yeah <laughs> cultural appropriation and like in this day and age we're talking about what makes a good ally for people of color and yeah. black people and that would have been that'd be pretty, pretty cool fun. also quick rewind i feel like you didn't hear my word i said cheer feet um Oh, I, think, uh, I did not. Yeah, so I just want some, I just want some credit. Oh, <laughs> you got it. That is funny. I like that. What about you? What did you think? I had two thoughts on this. One was I as I, as we were watching this movie, I would have loved to see this same movie, but from the Clover's point of view. Uh huh. So I I don't know if that would make an interesting sequel. It would for me personally. I, I feel like it has been done before where you see a movie, like we know one storyline, but then now you see it from somebody else's perspective. Well, we actually brought this up. I forget your example, but I was saying it's not a great movie, but they made that Lion King one and a half where you just right. follow Timon and Pumbaa. And then in the background, every time they're not on camera in Lion King, you see what they were doing. Yeah. And then every once in a while they're roped in. So it's the same timeline of Lion King. Right. But you're following them from the very beginning. Yes. And then like, so Simba comes in halfway through the movie and yeah. meets them, you know, stuff like that. Like I would love a movie where it starts out with Isis becoming captain. Like maybe because this movie starts out with Torrance becoming captain. Yeah. Right. So like maybe a parallel storyline where you see, you know, how passionate, she is about clovers getting the credit they deserve for their routines yeah and but it all comes together in we kind of see that um gym gymnasium scene where torrance and isis have that conversation about the check yeah that same scene is replicated yeah, in yeah. the sequel but then you you again are with the clovers on their journey that'd be interesting so that was one thing that i i would actually love to like see but another thing i know is that gabrielle and kirsten i think are both down for a sequel obviously the older they get <laughs> the less likely it is that they'd be like you you can't cast them as college cheerleaders now yeah but we're in the age of doing the reboot where they come back as teachers blah 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 right. like literally full not full house uh Saved by the Bell's about to do it. Yeah. Uh, we got the Cobra Kai. We bring that up constantly. So it works when it works. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I just feel like that would be the easiest route to go nowadays if we're going to put them in. Like, they they work at the school or they, they are cheerleading coaches or something. Like, not yeah. coaches or, I don't know, uh, choreographers or something. <laughs> LOL. Seeing you struggle for words for this is <laughs> Well, because I was going to say, like, they work for the school and they're the coach. But I'm like, well, this movie shows that that's not how it works. Uh-huh. So, yeah, they would have to be like choreographers or like parents maybe yeah. of, of cheerleaders. And then, 
mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and I think that this movie really allows you to be able to touch on a bunch of different topics. Like, they've proven it with this movie that it doesn't only have to be about cheerleading. Cheerleading, yes, is a big part of the story, but it's not by any means the only part. So I just feel like there's an opportunity there to re-explore this with the original cast somehow. I just didn't really think that through. But one thing that I thought would have been interesting is seeing it and obvious, and I know that it would be more a more serious route probably, but it would be cool if it could be a fun. Uh, you see the fun, crazy parts of the cheerleading world from the Clover's perspective. I love when movies and I love when shows do this too. Like we have this in this day and age with shows like Insecure, where black people don't have to be miserable all the freaking time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I would just love a movie that's like black people cheerleading, but like in a fun way yeah i and but i would specifically love it from the clover's point of view i think they do this in the third movie with solange like it is an inner city school um and they are the main ones and hayden penetier gets transferred to that school so it's like a rich girl coming coming into it I, i i actually think that's my favorite sequel if i had to choose one but it's still like i think they lend themselves too much on the typical black student kind of thing yeah um so i i just felt like it could have used some better writing yeah <laughs> what if they made a sequel with them as older like we talked about with gabrielle and kirsten but then they made it a little less bubbly and satirical and made it more like that cheer documentary we were talking about Ugh. where they showed like the dark not the dark side but like yeah like people breaking legs and having breakdowns in the locker room and all that shit i honestly would rather leave that to the documentary and yeah. have this sort of be the escapism yeah it would be a, too, a pretty big tonal shift yeah so i mean i think it's one of those things i've a lot of the movies i've chosen holes bring it on cinderella like they're just movies that just they didn't know was were going to be as awesome as they ended up being the cast loves each other like everything just worked out for the best and yeah. I, again one of, this is one of those movies that i just nice it's a miracle it's a miracle <laughs> so um andy now that i've made you go through this so many times i have one question oh man do you love what i love I love it. Oh man. So I feel like we've been in this area a lot lately with our last couple of picks where the short answer is I don't truly love it. And the main reason I just think is what we talked about earlier where the dance numbers and sequences don't resonate with me the way they do with you in terms of watching them and getting excited. But much like, I guess it was like Sister Act 2 where it's way better than on paper I would ever think it was going to be for me. Mm-hmm. If I look at the cover of this movie or even just read like a one-sentence synopsis or even if I saw a scene or two out of context, I would just think it was something that would be very shallow, boring, and all that. And I got to give it credit that it does add a lot of elements that I don't see in these kind of teen movies. Mm-hmm. Um, this came out during the like resurgence of teen movies. Like, 99 was a huge year with the movies listed before. She's all that... Uh, Ten, thing, all, ten things yeah. I hate about you. Mm-hmm. Can't hardly wait was the year before. Um, Cruel intentions, like 
American Pie, like the teen movie was back. Driving crazy. Yeah, and a lot of those movies are just either about like a romance or people trying to get laid or a party. And they're fun to watch, but I don't find too much substance in them. Mm -hmm. Even though half of them are based on like Shakespeare plays, but somehow miss a lot of the important points. (laughs) Like, you know, like, like She's All That's just a silly ass movie. Like I don't watch it and like learn deep themes about anything like that. So I appreciate that. I think this stands above all those other movies, those teen movies, as, I mean, we talked about it at, at nauseum already, you know, mm-hmm. the uh, the commentaries on race and things and that. And I do find it funny because I feel like if this did come out today, we'd get a lot of those internet trolls to be like, they're just pandering, you know, mm-hmm. this and that. Like, that happens all the time where, yeah. you know, even, you know, we watched Bill and Ted 3 and everyone's like, why do they have to be daughters? Everyone has to put women in Jesus everything. Christ. And it's yeah. just like, yeah, grow the fuck up. Right. So I give it, I give them credit for going for it before it was stylish. They brought it. Yeah. I like would say. Yeah, yeah. They brought it on <laughs> before it was, quote unquote, the cool thing to do. You know what I mean? They did it when it was more open for flack and criticism and, you know, as opposed to now where it's almost, you know, you see Apple putting Black Lives Matter up, you know, mm-hmm. and like, which is a nice gesture, but I don't really think Apple gives a fuck. You know what I mean? They're more, I think they're doing it because it's better in this climate to get more people to like you by saying and doing things like that. Right. So I think. If this came out today, it wouldn't have nearly the same amount of impact because we have had a lot more progress in diversity and things like that. Yeah. So I give it a lot of credit for going for that in 2000 when they really (laughs) didn't have to, nor was anyone expecting them to. So I respect the movie a lot. Um, It's just the fact that, uh, again, the cheering stuff, it's more I'm just waiting for that to be over for the plot that I actually think is a little bit better. Insane, but I get it. (laughs) And, you know, and then when it comes to humor, humor subjective, um... I found it pretty funny at 10, but a lot of it just doesn't really make me laugh anymore. So, but that's just, you can't, I can't really explain why. It's just, you know, a joke happens, either you're laughing or you're not. Um, So I don't truly love it, but I do respect it. And I think, uh, yeah, they did a pretty good job. It's really going to be hard to maintain this relationship, but (laughs) I think I can get through it. (laughs) No, I appreciate that. Um, I, I think it just again hits me a, a different way oh i can see yes yeah, <laughs> uh you know uh, a black girl growing up i could see how this movie could speak to you yeah and like that's why i say respect it and all that stuff i just sure. like you know i'm not uh yeah and i think that's really why i just want a movie from the clover's point of view because i just really want to see more of them <laughs> like yeah. it's just i guess it's more a reflection on what i want to see but uh I, I i appreciate that and yeah i i agree with you that they really went above and beyond like what anybody was asking them to do like nobody was asking for this nobody even thought that they would someone could go for it like this and i i think it's a beautiful result of collaboration and getting other people's voices in a project Mm -hmm. because it sounds like they actually made an effort to get black voices in this like and you can get touchy-feely on like who has the right to write you know, certain things and certain stories. And I feel like if you're telling the human story and the human experience, every type of person has to be involved. Like, you know, it's yeah, just... Yeah, it's, yeah. I, yeah, I don't... I understand that argument, but I don't fully subscribe to that mm-hmm. where, you know, it's... If if someone is writing something with their heart in the right place and they're actually making an attempt to make progress on something, mm-hmm. like, I don't think you should just immediately be like, that's not your story to tell, you know? Right. Obviously, we want more black voices telling more black stories, but I do think it's possible for things to be touched, you know? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, it all started with her, with the writer, 
being questioning like huh i wonder about this and then you know she went out and asked those questions and there were conversations that were had yeah that's how you that's how you developed that's how you make change like you know like yes in a perfect world they would have just hired some a black screenwriter to write this but unfortunately in 1989 it was probably harder to get that sold and this and that and it's not right but it's the way of the world and that's how progress is made so i do think this opened the door to then Mm -hmm. people being like okay we're we're open to more stuff like this exactly you know what i mean and like now we get to get watch things like insecure and stuff like that you know and one last thing i'll say is this movie inspired the cheer community as well like they appreciated it so much yeah having a movie that didn't make fun of them and actually touched on how hard it is to do those cheers and they touch a lot they touch on this a lot in the cheer documentary that i mentioned mm-hmm. and a lot of the black gay cheerleaders talked about how much they were inspired by the clovers to actually pursue cheer oh i believe it I which believe is it. i mean yeah this, that's beautiful yeah right? i think this movie like is was it does what it does good like mm-hmm. for you yeah. know what i mean like for young people and i appreciate it for that yeah it's just my own stupid biases of not really caring about people dancing. <laughs> uh, that's totally fine, but I'm, I'm happy you appreciate it. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so that's our show, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. Also, if you have any opinions on what we discussed, follow us on social media at Love What I Love Podcast or at LWIL Podcast. It's a great place to find out what we'll be talking about next. And as always, please take a moment to rate and review. Every bit of feedback helps. I'm Andy. And I'm Masha. And I hope you love what I love.